0: Welcome to Vedic Mythology, Music, and Mantras. I'm Ben Collins. Today we're going to talk about Shivaratri. As always, this podcast is presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web, where you will find a special Yagya just for our podcast listeners, and more about that later on in the show. This wonderful festival of Shivaratri takes place every year at this time, I'm recording this podcast a few weeks in advance because I will be in Kanchipuram, participating in an eleven day Maharudra Yagya leading up to Shivaratri on Thursday, march sixth. I am hoping to be able to post to my blog on Pujanet on a daily basis, including lots of photos, so look for that starting around february nineteenth or twentieth. The date of Shivaratri tends to change every year because the timing is based on the lunar calendar technically shivaratri takes place on the 13th or 14th night during krishnapaksha or the time of the month when the moon is waning during the month of falgun shivaratri itself takes place when there's no moon and the sky is dark just as shuklapaksha or the portion of the month where the moon is waxing begins there's one story from the mahabharata that's usually told about shivaratri there are a number of different versions of it, but this one captures the essence of all of them. Bhishma, while he lay on the bed of arrows waiting to die, was talking about the nature of Dharma, and he tells a story of the observance of Mahashivaratri by King Chitrabanu. The king was a wise ruler, and one day the, save, the sage Ashtavakra came to visit him. The sage observed big preparations were being made for Shivaratri and he asked the king why he was so enthusiastic about this ritual. King Chitrabanu explained that he had the gift of remembering the incidents of his previous birth. Apparently, in his previous birth, the king was a hunter in Varanasi, and his name was Saswara. His only livelihood was to hunt or kill and capture and sell birds and animals. And one day, while roaming through the forest, he had managed to kill a deer, but it was so late in the day that there was no time for him to return home. And it was a moonless night, since he was unable to return home, he decided to climb a tree for shelter. It happened to be a bale tree, and he took the deer that he had killed, and he bundled it up, and he tied it to a branch up on the tree, and then climbed up there himself. He sat there all night, frightened by the sounds of the animals who were active at night, But not daring to get down he endured his hunger, and he really didn't dare to fall asleep. He was pretty miserable, and he knew that his wife and children would be worried and hungry, and they couldn't possibly know what had happened to him. To take his mind off his misery he waited for daybreak, and spent the night picking the leaves of the bale-tree and just dropping them idly on the ground, one by one, for hour after hour. His water container had sprung a leak, and he had, wa- uh, as he waited, the water went drip, drip, drip onto the ground. The next day, when he returned home, he sold the deer, and then brought some food for himself and his family. The moment he was about to sit down to eat, a Brahmin came to him, begging for food, and in spite of his own hunger, the hunter, as custom would have it, served the Brahmin first, and then sat down to his own meal. Many years later, as a very old man, he lay on his deathbed, and before him he saw two messengers from Lord Shiva. They were sent down to conduct his soul to the heaven of Lord Shiva, which surprised him because he thought that as a hunter he would have lived a low life and couldn't possibly qualify for such a rich, exalted, and spiritual reward as this but the attendants reminded him of that night in the forest and the merit he had earned by his worship of Lord Shiva during the night of Shivaratri. The messengers told him that there was a lingam on the ground at the bottom of the tree, and that all the leaves he had dropped had fallen on the lingam. His tears, mixed with the dripping water, had been shed out of pure concern for his family, and they too fell on the lingam and washed it. Additionally, he had fasted all night, and then the next day had fed a Brahmin. Thus he had participated in all of the rituals of Shivaratri. But, he said, it was entirely accidental. I didn't know what was going on. Well, it doesn't matter, he was told. The path to divinity always starts in ignorance, and in that ignorance we may not know what to do, or why or how to properly worship our chosen deity. Knowledge dawns gradually, and perfection is the result, not the starting point. So even those, like yourself, who may be imperfect, if you act with a good heart, God will know. And with that, the attendants welcomed Siswara into Shiva's heaven, and eventually he was born as King Chitrabhano. Another story about Shivaratri comes from the Shiva Purana. There was a day when Brahma and Vishnu were fighting over who was the superior of the two gods. Their argument grew increasingly heated and eventually the other gods got worried and asked Shiva to intervene. To point out the futility of this fight, Shiva, without saying a word, assumed the form of a huge column of fire extending up into the sky and down below. Brahma and Vishnu really didn't know what to do, so they decided that whomever could find the end of this column would be the greater God. Brahma, who rides on a swan, took off in the upward direction, and Vishnu, who assumed his varaha or boar form, went down deep below the earth. On and on they went in their own directions, but the light had no limit. Even though they searched for thousands of miles, neither one could find the end of this immense column of light. On his journey upward Brahma came across a kataki flower, wafting down slowly beside the column of light. Brahma took the flower in his hand and asked where she had come from. The flower, who of course could speak, replied that she had been placed at the top of the fiery column as an offering. Well, Brahma thought for a moment and decided that he would end his search and take the flower back as a witness. So back he went where he found Vishnu, who had reported that, unfortunately, he had not been able to find the end of the column. Bursting with pride, Brahma held out his hand and revealed the kataki flower, saying, well, I did, and at the top of the column this flower was placed as an offering. The flower agreed, saying, well, it was true. But Brahma had made a rather serious error. Immediately the column of light changed back into Lord Shiva, who was very angry at Brahma's attempted deception, and he promised Brahma for his lie by cursing him that no one would ever pray or worship him. Even the Kataki flower was punished by being banned from being used as an offering for any worship, as she too had lied. And the day that this took place was the fourteenth day in the dark half of the month of Falguna. And this was the first time that Shiva had manifested himself in the form of a linga. So the day is especially auspicious, and as we know, it's obviously celebrated as Mahashivaratri. So if you want to learn more about Shivaratri, please visit my Pujanet site, where you will find a special selection devoted to Shivaratri, which features links to an MP3 library of almost a hundred different hymns and slokas for Shiva. There's a one-hour video from the Shivaratri celebrations that took place in Kanchipuram in 2006. Um, there is also a short video of Rudra abhishekam being performed at the Malibu Temple uh, a week ago, and another short video from, of a Shiva Yagya that took place in Varanasi this past September. You'll also find the text and translation of Rudram and Chamakam, as well as those Vedic mantras being chanted. And there's a link to six past podcasts about Shiva as well. Finally, at the top of the podcast page on the PujaNet site, there's a link to a special Yajna for podcast listeners. For $11, you can donate to support this podcast and be a sponsor in the shivaratri festivities as well as a special ganga yagya the day after shivaratri which will be taking place in varanasi long regarded as shiva's city and for that support we'd be very appreciative now for chanting this week i wanted to do something a little different because you'll be able to find all the traditional chanting in the shiva collection on the pujanet site I thought what I would do is post a few selections to illustrate what I think of as a wonderful blending of the Vedic-based culture with modern Western musical tastes. First I have Jai Uttal and his Harashiva Shankara, which is very world music-like, and then Chinmaya Dunster with Ragh Shivranjani. Both of these selections are about six minutes, and you can find them both on iTunes. Finally, I have a rendition of Jaya Mantra, a mantra associated with Shiva, but sung in a way that I think borrows at least a little bit from Western jazz traditions. I hope you find them interesting and enjoyable. And that'll be all for this week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <music>
1: Shivaya Parameshwaraya Shashi Shaikaraya Nama Om Bhavaya Guna Shambhavaya Shivatandavaya Nama Om Shri Shri Krishna nama om. Bhava ya Shiva Tanda nama Shivaya Shiva ya Tando Shakaraya okay. okay. namo namo bhava ya
2: you mm-hmm. doom If <laughs> I